welcome to the Sasha Robinson podcast and I am your host Sasha Robinson. If you enjoy this content please feel free to share with your friends and your colleagues and also you can go to paypal.me forward slash Sasha Robinson to make a contribution. Now let's get on with the show. So today I would like to talk about how women contribute to misogyny by using my own personal experience as a case study. I would like to preface this by stating that I don't subscribe to modern day feminism, but I am very much an advocate for the human rights of all people. I will begin by providing a backdrop using my experiences as a young mother. This episode is part of the My Refinement series for the Sasha Robinson podcast. So if you have listened to the introduction of the My Refinement series, then you will already know a little bit about my background. But for those who are listening for the first time, I will start with my childhood working my way into present day. So I am of Caribbean ancestry, maternal grandparents being from St. Lucia and paternal grandparents being from the island of Jamaica. So I am indeed an island girl in every sense of the word. I was flown to St. Lucia at the age of six and um, I lived with my grandmother and her husband, um, who was not my biological grandfather, and I would go to school there from the age of six up until the age of 15. My grandmother was a traditional woman in every sense of the word, and I would consider herself a conservative, even though that's not a discussion that I heard of in my household. And um, what I mean by that is that she visibly served her husband in the traditional sense, in a stereotypical way, by serving him meals first. And she done most of the housework as well as run their business as part of a team. So that's what I mean by saying that. I never had any conversations with my grandmother about boys or sex but I was aware that I should most definitely stay away from them. When I started my period I remember it well because my auntie Julie and her husband um, Noel, um, well I wouldn't say Noel if I was in person, (laughs) yes um, we always refer to the elders as uncle and auntie but Uh, I remember it well because they were all sitting outside on uh, the veranda having a drink and talking about their adult stuff and um, I came on my period and I remember going into the onto the um, the veranda to meet with them and I called my grandmother and um, I think she knew automatically what that call was and my auntie Julie says oh I know that call Um, So I remember that day really well. And um, the first thing that my grandmother said to me was, from now on, don't talk to boys. And that was literally it. There was nothing else discussed. She gave me some sanitary towels and, um, and that was it. And I never really understood what that meant. But at the same time, I did. It's quite difficult to articulate. Moving forward on my return to the UK, which my dad arranged, as far as I remember, I was completely obsessed with boys, just like any other teenage girl, really. And and if you guys are familiar with Jordan Peterson, is he's like, oh, I just I absolutely love this man. Who he's a Canadian clinical psychologist and a conservative personality. And uh, I would encourage you to find his psychological interpretation of Sleeping Beauty, because when I listened to this excerpt from one of his talks, light bulbs literally went off because I knew that my grandmother's overprotection had ultimately contributed to my curiosity and so um, I met my daughter's father uh, in a playground in South London that had uh, organized a talent show for the local youth and I was performing a Mariah Carey song there and I can literally hear my auntie (laughs) shouting from the crowd in 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 support of me it was a it was a great day 
So anyway, he literally put his hand over my shoulder and claimed me as, as his girlfriend. And it was like unspoken. We didn't discuss it or anything like that. And we were inseparable from that day. He was quite a lot of fun and very popular. Uh, my mother, of course, was very unhappy about this. Um, I hadn't really had the opportunity to, to obviously develop a sound relationship with my mother, but she's still my mother. And um, I fell pregnant with my daughter at the age of 17. And I remember being absolutely miserable for the first three months um, of that pregnancy. I didn't particularly find my daughter's dad attractive. And at this point, as I had seen what else was available, really, I had seen all the all the lovely men and young men that were out there. So I knew what I was missing. And, um, and, and I started to discover what I was actually attracted to because I wasn't really given a chance, really. So my mother had asked if I was going to, to, to keep my child one day when she visited me because I was staying in a shared home where other young mothers were staying and um, I had no idea what she meant by that I had no idea what abortion was I was very 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 naive and um, I was sheltered basically up until the age of 15 and uh, I remember living in this shared accommodation with the other girls um, who were in the same situation and one of the girls had become a friend and I remember looking at her and her boyfriend thinking I hope my baby comes out good looking I mean how shallow am I but those were, that was my thought, thought process at that tender age of 17 and um, the, the father of, of my daughter had been very abusive and possessive and I just wanted out which happened when she was only months months old and um i was free or, or so i thought you know because it was hell with him after that to be fair and i i resented him i resented him for st- stealing my childhood and hurting me um it was bad and and nowhere during this time did my um mother or any other uh, adult advocate for me sorry his mother advocate for me at least not um not enough and this is a classic example of how women hurt other women they don't hold their sons accountable and they allow their sons to abuse other women and don't do anything about it so his mother never helped me in that situation um motherhood was just extremely extremely difficult for me i mean from the birth itself i remember my my um my baby daughter crying and i asked the midwife i can remember her name which is really bizarre her name was charity and i mean the midwives there i think most of them were quite judgmental because i literally i i'm you know i'm what 40 now and uh I, I look really young, and could, so you can only imagine what I look like at that age. And I and I remember feeling a sense of judgment from them, not understanding, but knowing that there was something wrong with me and my situation. But anyway, I asked Charity what was wrong with the baby, and she said that the baby was hungry. So I, I literally just gave her a blank stare because I just didn't know what babies ate. Literally, I was that naive, you know? And uh, so eventually someone must have shown me, I can't remember who it was, but I figured it out and I tried breastfeeding, but it hurt so bad. And I, I think I probably breastfed for only eight weeks and I, I gave up after that because my nipples were so cracked and sore and it was just, it was a disaster, absolute disaster. And I became increasingly depressed and that depression lasted up until possibly the age of um, 27 
so moving forward, I can say that I was very much a feminist um, during that later part as my daughter grew a little bit older when I was in my early 20s, not even knowing what that meant. I, had, I hadn't studied feminism. I hadn't heard the term. I had no idea what feminist meant. And um, I remember going to my daughter's grandmother's house, telling telling the entire entire family, including uh, my daughter's dad, that I needed them to take my daughter. I needed help because that you know that fire within me knew that this wasn't wasn't fair. I shouldn't be doing this on my own. Why is nobody help helping me? And. Um, it was just it was just a really terrible situation and nothing was actually done about that but i think she stayed there for maybe one or two days and we ended up um arguing and and uh, i was on the floor and i was basically being abused he he kicked me repeatedly while i lay there on the floor and um again nothing was done except for me being judged very harshly by everybody and in everyone's eyes i was a terrible young woman who didn't want my child when in fact i just wanted help and when she would stay with relatives for short periods i felt extremely unhappy and um i felt really empty in fact and so emptiness became associated with love uh, emptiness became what love felt like to me I just just let that sink in for a moment you know so i tried many times to better myself you know i uh went uh, back to school i i gained a computer literacy and information technology certificate and also a res- uh, intense reception skills um certificate um my employer actually sent me there i was working for a political planning consultancy in mayfair and um my employer sent me on this course which i'm really really grateful for and i just um i remember needing uh you know help for 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 someone basically picking up my daughter from after school club which finished at six o'clock and if you were late you'd obviously get charged for that etc and i asked my dad's wife if she would pick up my daughter from the after school club and my my dad didn't let her and i just want to also say if if any of my family listen to this this is not a dig at you this is this is healing this is this is part of um speaking a truth and raising awareness about a particular thing and how us as women now grown women can actually change a situation and change the life of a young girl by actually telling our stories unlike that of my grandmother um, all I needed was that help. Um, so, you know, I could work and I was earning a really good wage. I was earning 28000 at the age of 21. But I subs- subsequently uh, obviously had to leave my job because I couldn't commit to it because I, I had this child. And there, even though I had the after school club facility, I wasn't able to make it back from work in time. Hence me needing someone to pick up my daughter from school. So I lost my job. So... You know, I knew nothing at all, really, and I was well into my 20s at this point. But anyway, subsequent to this, I started obviously looking for love in all the wrong places, as you do. And I treated men very well because how I was raised, I treated men like how I saw my grandmother treat my grandfather. And I'm still like that up to this day. I'm very much a traditional woman. So I've I've never been horrible to men, but it was always met with violence and jealousy and emotional abuse. Um, so then I became quite angry and um, I became quite frivolous with my sexuality and I really owned it again I was a feminist before the feminist I thought I was the original feminist even though I didn't even know that word then you know and the women were always the harshest to me they were always the ones who would judge me the most I was called names behind my back never to my face funny enough which is really odd but I was aware of how women viewed me until one 
of my sexual escapades, so to speak, stated, said to me within a conversation that these women are having sex and they, they, they just don't do it. Um, they do it discreetly, basically, and, you know, no one finds out about it and they're actually doing much more than I was. And that was kind of like a little uh, moment of awakening because I thought, oh my God, am I the only one doing this? You know, I was... Um, I was having sex or bad me and bearing in mind this is I'm having I'm, I haven't done anything wrong I'm not doing anything to anybody where we I'm a consenting adult the person who's having sex with me is a consenting adult there's nothing wrong going on here but this is what we do to our girls you see which is very very unhealthy and anyway um so and the irony is that these are the same women you know who will now be be dancing to cardi b and they'll love her image and other women um within the public spotlight who behave like her and who are very frivolous and free with their sexualities and um they take on female lovers etc which is an experience that i have actually had which is a nice segue into the introduction to the next podcast that i'm going to be doing where i speak about that particular sexual experience or experiences um as it pertains to spirituality conservatism and um also being an ally uh to the lgp lgbtqia plus community so anyway that's the end of the show today so if you have enjoyed this content please feel free to share with your friends and your colleagues and also head to paypal.me forward slash sasha robinson to make a contribution thanks again for listening you have been listening to the sasha robinson podcast